0: Well, it's good to be with you guys today. We are in a sermon series called Longing to Belong, and I'm excited to dive into week three today. But this past week was spring break for my kids. They were home all week from school, and all of their friends went and did grand adventures. I feel like they were at Disneyland, and they were in Hawaii, and my kids were home doing chores. And so they were not huge fans of that. But one of the days on Wednesday I decided to take my daughter and we did a little bit of an adventure together. Um, She and I are walking through a two-year discipleship journey very intentionally And um, for the physical challenge piece, the thing that she's chosen to do is to do hiking and backpacking. And so we had really nice weather on Wednesday, and I think we had one day of spring and then um, winter came again the next day. But we we took our chance, we drove down to Colorado Springs three hours and we did the Manitou incline. Have you guys heard of the Manitou Incline? It is this intense, iconic Colorado hike straight up the side of a mountain. It starts at 6,500 foot elevation, and then just straight up the side of the mountain are basically stairs, railroad ties, just lined all the way up, 2,000 foot climb, and at the top is 8,500 feet. And if you survive, you can look down and enjoy the view, and then you gotta walk down. So that's, what, that's the whole point, point. Um, and so we decided to do that together, and it was, it was awesome. It was a great bonding experience, um, but when I got there, it is this famous hike, and so when I got there, there was all kinds of interesting people that were getting ready to do it. You have to make a reservation and park and take a shuttle, and so we got there, and there was a whole group of these college students that were getting ready to do it, and here I am, I've got my like, my, my backpack with like my three liters of water and my camelback with my trekking poles and my hiking boots and I'm like ready for like, I don't know what I was ready for. But then there's these college girls there that have their like Lululemon belt bags with like no bottles of water and like vans. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just like thinking to myself, how can they be ready for this? Do they know something I don't or do I know something they don't? So there was this whole group of girls Um, And then there was this guy that was hiking it, and he had, like, on a doggy, like, backpack with, like, a little fluffy dog that he hiked the whole thing with. (laughs) That was, he was pretty funny. Um, And then there was a a lady who hiked the entire incline with her cell phone, FaceTiming somebody the entire time, just, like, hiking up the incline. I don't know who she was talking to, um, but that was sort of interesting. Um, there was a couple of girls that uh, they had started the hike, and you could tell they got really tired, and they were concerned about whether they were going to make it, and so they had stepped off to the side, and as I passed them, I heard them, and they were praying, and so they, as I, I went by, they said, in Jesus' name, and then I was like, amen, as we walked by, so that was a fun experience, and then my favorite was uh, my daughter and I were almost at the very top of the incline like really tired barely able to like lift our legs and behind me I hear this guy coming sounded like a steam engine just like booking it up the mountain and he's like and and I heard him before I saw him and then I went to turn and all I saw was this giant quad his leg just like (laughs) climbing up the mountain and um we got to the top and I heard this guy talking to him he's like bro who are you and he's like my name's crazy bob He's like, I do the incline every day. My record is 24 minutes. So, side note, I went home and I typed in Crazy Bob Manitou incline, and sure enough, the guy has an Instagram page. He's like this famous dude, so I got to meet Crazy Bob. So all that's to say, it was this crazy crazy hike, this crazy adventure, and there was all kinds of interesting people that were a part of it. All different levels of fitness, all different backgrounds, all different seasons of life, all different levels of engagement from the dog, to the cell phone, to Vans, to Lululemon belt bags, to like the dude who was like the most fit guy I've ever seen. All of us together making this ascent. And as I was hiking, I was thinking, this really is sort of the picture of kind of like community. This is sort of what community looks like. And today that's what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna talk about being made for community. And so uh, we are in this series, Longing to Belong. In week one, Pastor Tom spoke a really powerful message about go and grow, that we've been called onto a journey, this great invitation to follow Jesus. And our destination is the city of God. And we're called to do that together and to grow together as we're called out onto this adventure. Week two, Pastor Ben spoke on sacred space. He kind of dove into this idea of place attachment and how you can be really grounded and rooted in a particular place and almost find like an identity there. And whether you're in a place where you feel like that or you don't, that the presence of God can come and be there with you and it can become a sacred space. And today we're going to look at the idea of made for community. But before we do that, let's pray together. Sound good? Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that you have called us out onto this great adventure to follow you, Lord. A lot of times it does feel like this ascent up a mountain with all of us being in different places, but we know that your presence goes before us, and your presence walks with us. And so even in this moment, Lord, as we look at this idea together, we pray that your presence would come and be here in a very real way. Lord, that your voice would be the loudest voice in this room today, God and that we would listen and we would have the courage to obey what you've spoken. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, in the book um, Bowling Alone, The Collapse and Revival of American Community, author Robert Putnam explores the increasing social void that many are experiencing in the world today. Regardless of where people find themselves on the economic ladder or across racial and religious lines, personal isolation has dramatically increased. There's sort of an irony to this, because we live in in an increasingly urbanized world with a global population that's now over 7 billion people. We're connected more than ever by um, social media and by technology, and yet despite being ever nearer in proximity, we've never been more isolated. Over the last 25 years, attendance at club meetings has dropped by 58%. Family dinners have dropped 43%. Having friends over has dropped by 35%. So there's this weird, like, juxtaposition occurring in our world where we're desperately lonely and we're desperately isolated, and yet at the same time, we're making intentional decisions to set up our lives in a way where we distance ourselves from community. We are craving community even as we seek to avoid it. What is up with that? Um, To understand it a little bit more, I think we need to zoom out a bit and kind of look at how we've gotten to this place as a society. And so um, if we were to to dive into the world of like cultural studies for a moment, there's two broad ends of the spectrum of kind of how cultures function. Um, And one end is, um, is called a collectivistic culture. And the other end of the spectrum is an individualistic culture. So a a collectivistic culture is one that highly values unity, selflessness, working as a group, doing what's best for society. Families and communities have a central role in a collectivistic culture. But then on the other end of the spectrum, in the individualistic culture, you have a high value for uniqueness for self-sufficiency and self-reliance, for independence, for autonomy, where individual rights take center stage. So if you're just gonna think for a moment, which one do you think the United States falls into? <laughs> Any ideas? Over here, yep. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, so cultures in, the, in North America and Western Europe tend to be more individualistic. Cultures in like Asia and South America tend to be more collectivistic, okay? So the, the, the point in saying this is not to say that one is right or one is wrong. Um, each side has its pros and cons, its strengths and weaknesses, but what is important is to understand where we are so that we have a better idea of kind of what the struggle is, okay? So here's, here's the truth. Um, sociological studies um, that have studied all of cultures, all of societies throughout all of human history have found that our Western society that we're living in in this present moment is the most individualistic group of people that has ever existed in the history of the world, the most extreme on this end of the spectrum of valuing the, the individual that's ever existed in the history of humanity. And yet, deep within each of us is a longing to belong. So this creates this incredible tension as we grapple with this individualism of the society that we're living in and then this deep longing and loneliness and isolation that we feel inside. Why do I feel this way? Well, it's because God designed you to desire it. You were made for community. From the very beginning of time, this has been God's design for us. He designed us for community. And not only were we created by community, where it says in, in Genesis one twenty six, let us make man in our image. This is a picture of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there at the very beginning, forming and fashioning creation and mankind. Let us make man in our image. So we were created by community, the community of God, but we were also created for community we were created for community. So I wanna look at this really quick here, but in order to set it up and understand the very beginning, the Genesis account, you need to know this, that if you're just reading Genesis one and two, it's not actually a sequential narrative. There's actually, it's actually two pictures of the creation story. And that's helpful to understand because in Genesis one, um, it's actually like a, micro, uh, a macro account of creation. If you were going to read through it, Genesis 1, 1, to it's around two, um, the beginning of chapter 2. It's a, it's a macro account of creation where God made six days and then he rested on the seventh day, right? We know this, but then we come into Genesis 2 and it's almost like a micro account of creation. It's sort of like a double click on the making of man and woman, okay? So if you're reading through Genesis 1 and you get to the part of the sixth day God created humankind, Genesis 2 is like a a double click of that, where it then talks about the garden and how he made man and how he made woman and all of that, okay? So with that in mind, when you look at Genesis 1 and you read this creation story, humans, are the only species in the created order in which God does not create them two by two at the same time. We see this in Genesis 1, with each of the animals, with the sea creatures, with the birds, with the creatures on the land, he makes them two at a time, male and female. Okay, but then in Genesis 2, when we're seeing the double click of the creation story, he creates man first without the woman. Man is all alone. And in response to this, God says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. Everything that God has created up to this point, he says, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then God creates the man and he says, it is not good. Now this is not, a, this is not about the man, okay? <laughs> it's about the fact that he was alone. What's interesting about this is sin has not entered the world yet. That happens in Genesis 3. So the first not good that God speaks over creation is not because it's sin. It's not because it's bad, per se. It's because things are not done yet. They're not complete yet. And what's amazing to me here is that Adam, he's alone, yes, but he had God all to himself. Have you thought about that? He had God all to himself. He had all the animals to himself. He had all of creation all to himself. That sounds like the introvert's dream. (laughs) Some of you are like, this is what heaven must be like. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Because we're living over here in the individualistic world. He had God all to himself and still he was lonely. Have you thought about that? Hmm. Because not only were we made for communion with God, we were also made for communion with each other. And it wasn't until both man and woman were created that God saw all that he had made, and it was what? Very good, it was very good. Not just because man was no longer alone, but because man and woman were both needed to embody the full image of God. In Genesis 127, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It was after this happened that we see that it was very good, both male and female, because community was needed in order for creation to be complete. Community was needed in order for creation to be complete because we were made to need each other. If you feel lonely there is nothing wrong with you. It doesn't make you weak or broken to need a friend. It's good and it's beautiful. It's how God designed you. You were made for relationship with God and with others. And if you've ever felt alone and somebody's like, yeah, you should just pray more, <laughs> that's not how God designed it. Yes, and God and each other. Amen. What is wrong, if you're feeling lonely, is that you've been swimming in the waters of an individualistic culture that has literally been starving you of the very thing you were created for. You've been living in a society that's been telling you that the things it has to offer should be enough, the pursuit of happiness, financial security, relationship through a screen, social media we've been stuffing our faces with relational garbage and then we wonder why we're dying inside thinking there must be something wrong with me i would say no there's something wrong with how we've been living our lives we were made for community and so not only do we see in this Genesis account that we were literally created for community with God and with each other, but then as we go into the New Testament and we look at the picture of how the body of Christ was designed, we also find that we were called to community. So we've been created for community and we've been called to live out community as the body of Christ. The New Testament has example after example of what this is supposed to look like, and I could just probably today read through uh, Matthew through Revelation and just show you the full picture, but you guys probably want to eat lunch today, so I'm just going to highlight some scriptures for you that highlight what I see as kind of the three main expressions of what the community of God is supposed to look like, and this is the ideal. This is the pie in the sky, okay? So first of all, The community of God should be a place of sacrificial love. This is what we're told in the scriptures. In 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, he says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This word for love here is the word agape. You guys have heard this word, the word agape, and it has to do with giving sacrificially. Love that gives um, with a, uh, expecting nothing, nothing else in return. Um, to be fond of and to love dearly and to give freely of yourself. That's what agape love looks like. And our model for this kind of love we see in Romans 5, 8, where it says God demonstrates his own love, agape, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In John 15:13, it says greater love, agape, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends, sacrificially, In John 13, 35, it says, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love, agape, one another. This is the kind of love that we're called to as the people of God. And then there's this beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. um, And oftentimes it's read at weddings because people are like, this is what husbands and wives are supposed to love each other like. And yes, And it's actually what we as the people of God are supposed to love each other like. And it says this, love, agape, is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that we're called to as the people of God. Whew. Sacrificial love. In 1 John four eleven, it's. I'll sum this part up with this. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Sacrificial love, okay? So that's the first thing. The second expression of what community is supposed to look like as the people of God is this. The community of God should be a place of mutual encouragement. Encouragement. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. This word encouragement is the word parakaleo, parakaleo, and it's a verb in the Greek, and it means to call to one side, to strengthen, to exhort, to comfort, to instruct, to teach. That's what this word encouragement means. It's a coming alongside to provide strength, to provide um, comfort, to provide help in time of need. And what's amazing about this word If you guys know what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit in John 14, do you know some translations? He's called the paraclete, which is the same Greek root for this word here. Jesus says in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or paraclete or counselor or encourager to help you and be with you forever. So Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete, the comforter, the counselor, and as the people of God, we're called to be the same for those around us. That's a pretty powerful idea, that not only do we need the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our counselor and our encourager, but we need each other to be that as well, mutually as the body of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. And then in Galatians 6.2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so as a people of God, as the community of God, we're called to be encouraging, to spur one another on, to care for one another, and to carry that which we can't carry on our own. So the community of God should not only be a place of sacrificial love and of mutual encouragement, but the third is this, the community of God should be a place of maturation and growth. And that's actually what Tom spoke about the first week, to go and grow together. We're not just here to like hang out and be a social club, but we are here to grow together. And God uses some tough stuff to help us do this. <laughs> in Ephesians four, two through three, we're told be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And this word bearing is the word anejo. And the word anejo means to endure, to sustain, to suffer, to forbear. Have you guys ever felt like that in the church (laughs) or with anybody ever? That being in relationship and community causes suffering. There's something about it and it's not accidental. That's literally what God uses to help you grow. Amen, hallelujah. You guys pumped? Yes, okay. So if you wanna know how mature you are, this is the test. (laughs) How much are you willing to endure and to forbear and to suffer until you decide to bail? This is the test of maturity and it's the way that we grow in maturity is when we rub up against each other and you make me mad And I have to figure out if I'm going to confess my sins and forgive or if I'm going to say, this is too hard. You're weird. Like, what's your problem? Like, this is the test of community, right? Like in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. This is what, this is how God designed it, like it or not, (laughs) to help us to grow together into his image. The community of God offers you this wonderful opportunity for growth. In uh, Colossians 3.13, it says bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then in Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I love this word harmony, because like if you understand it in the context of music, it's not the same note. It's different notes that when they come together, they make this beautiful sound that we could never make on our own, but we have to be okay with the different sounds and the different expressions, right? That's what it looks like to be the people of God. It's not uniformity, it's unity. So this all ties into the idea of maturity and growth um, your willingness to put up with this whole dynamic and to bear and to suffer and to forgive and to confess to one another and to pray and to be in unity and to be in harmony. This is what the community of God looks like. And so the community is a place of sacrificial love. It's a place of mutual encouragement. It's a place of, of maturation and growth. And the community is not only what we've been created for, but it's what we've been called to as the people of God. It's God's plan and God's desire for us. So if this is what community, spiritual community, is supposed to look like, why doesn't it look this way? Because <laughs> this is the ideal, right? But I don't know about you, but no church is perfect, and I don't, I've never found a church that perfectly looks like this. What is up with that? <laughs> Um, I would say that the church should be the best of the best at solving this aloneness issue that we're facing in our world today. But as the church in the United States, we oftentimes look a lot more like the society around us. Um, We're told to fight for our rights as individuals, to put our good above everyone else's, that it's okay to be isolated and independent and self-sufficient and alone. Um, there's an author named Mark Labberton. He's actually the former president of Fuller Theological Seminary. He wrote a book called, um, called, and he says this, I'll read it to you. He says, When the church's characteristics simply look like a baptized version of the sociology that we would live if we weren't disciples, we're failing to practice the love that demonstrates the new reality into which we are baptized in Christ. I'll say that again. When the church's characteristics simply look like a baptized version of the sociology we would live if we weren't disciples, we're failing to practice love that demonstrates the new reality into which we are baptized in Christ. He says, without that reality, talk of diversity just becomes an aesthetics lecture and not a vivid enactment of the kingdom. And so I would say that's been our problem, is we've been living like this, and just putting a Jesus stamp on top of it, and saying, yeah, this is what it looks like to be a Christian, and and it's not. It's not, because it's not answering the world's need. It's not answering the need of our own hearts. As the people of God, we are the called out ones. We are called to look and to live differently, and it's not saying that Um, this is bad or that this is bad or that that's right or that's right. It's just we're supposed to look and live differently than the world around us, but we have been swimming in this water for so long that we don't even know. We don't even know what different looks like. We are called to live and to look differently as the people of God. And you know, our heart and our desire is for his kingdom to come here on this earth as it is in heaven. Man, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? And Nico as in heaven. But what does it actually look like to live that out for his kingdom to come in me and through me as it is in heaven? We have to live differently. We have to live differently. So how do we do this? How do we do this? We know what the New Testament says. We know what Genesis says, but how do we actually take steps to get there? And so I just wanna give you guys a couple of simple steps this morning. Um, And I wanna go back to the picture of the Manitou incline, kind of as our stepping stones for how to get there, okay? So I would say that this is kind of the progression of living into community, because none of us have arrived at that place of really living out what that image looks like, but we all can take a step to move into that more and more in our lives. So when I was hiking the Manitou Incline with my daughter on Wednesday, um, I noticed that there was kind of three primary groups that were making the ascent. Okay, so again, we were all in it together. We were all making the same as- ascent, but we were all kind of engaging with each other in different ways. And so the first group is the group that I would say were just in contact with one another. They were in contact, okay? So we were in the same place as each other. There was a proximity piece. We were experiencing the same thing together, but there was very little exchange happening between us. It was like, I'm here and you're here, but we aren't here, right? Um, I would say that the lady who was FaceTiming on her phone the entire time probably fit into that category. Like I never talked to her one time We were in that place together, but she was like totally somewhere else, right? Um, I would say that the college students with their Lululemon belt bags and their vans were in this place as well. I still sort of have a problem with them, so I'm gonna put them in this category. Um, (laughs) Because we rode the shuttle together and then they were like up the mountain. I never saw them again. I don't know how they made it without water, but still, Um, they were in this piece where we were there, but we weren't there, right? And I would say this contact expression of community Um, It's just, it's a level of relationship that doesn't really require much. It doesn't require investment of time or of energy. It doesn't require any vulnerability. Um, The relationship could be dropped if there's something else that's more preferable. Um, And little damage is done if you bail from that sort of engagement, right? Um, It's being sort of near someone, but not really knowing them. And, And I would say in the church, um, the best example of this really is probably a Sunday morning gathering. It's not bad, but we're kind of there, we're in proximity together, and we're sort of, we're probably experiencing similar things as we engage with the presence of God, but oftentimes it's it's me and it's you, but it's not really we yet, because there's not really an exchange happening, right? And so if you've ever sat in a Sunday morning service and feel like, I, I feel like I'm missing like, community, you're right. <laughs> because it's not it's not true engagement with each other and, and that's okay it's it's the first step, but it's not the end it's not the end of the journey okay The second level of uh, relationship is what I would call connection connection. And it's this idea that I'm there in the same place with you and now we're gonna exchange a little bit of ourselves with, anoth- with one another. I'm gonna offer you a little bit of who I am and you're gonna offer me a little bit of who you are. And there might be like a guardedness to it still. Um, it's it's good, but it's sort of transactional, right? Um, it's not freely giving of yourself, but it is this idea of moving from just me to now kind of moving into a we. And in t- the terms of the Manitou incline the examples I would give would be the, the girls that were praying together, you know, where I, Annalie and I were walking by, and I said amen with them as we walked by, and there was sort of this connection happening, because I think, I mean, obviously they're Christians, and I think they knew that I was a Christian by it, so there's sort of a connection. And then Annalie and I made it to the top, and then when we were hiking down, we saw them again, and there was this, you guys made it! There was this, like, celebration and a connection together. Um, there was another a group of two ladies that were from Texas and they were like dying because they <laughs> live at zero elevation. Um, and so I think they were really fit but they were having a hard time. And so m- my daughter and I, we ended up basically hiking with them the whole way. You know, They would hike and then rest and then we would hike and see them and rest. We basically, we made it to the top together. There was a real connection happening between us. There was an exchange. We kind of were starting to get to know each other, right? And, and I would say that this level of relationship with connection, it requires some giving, but it has limits to it. Um, it's sort of based on how comfortable I feel with you. It's based on how much I like you or how alike we are. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't really require much pain or commitment, right? Um, but it's good, it's the next step. Um, and I would say in our church expressions, this This level of community you would find in what, what do you guys think? Anybody? Connect groups, groups, yes. Where we now have a space where we can have that exchange, where it's a smaller environment, where we share a meal together, we share stories, we share God's word, maybe we share prayer requests, we share our needs and we start to provide care for each other, but it's, it's not the final stage of community. The third stage of community is what I would call communion communion. Because not only were we created for communion with God, but we were created for communion with, what, with one another. And in communion, communion is this mutuality of freely giving of yourself, freely offering the truth of who you are to one another. It's being sacrificial, it's being unguarded, it's being vulnerable, it's, it's, there's an intimacy to it, and this word intimacy, I've heard it described as into me, see, where you are really letting someone see into who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the, the challenges, your weaknesses, the places where you feel like you're failing. And you're trusting them to offer you support and care and walk alongside you. And if, uh, it's, it's choosing to join with another in the place that they are, even if maybe you're not in that place yourself. It's mourning with those who mourn. It's, it's, it's rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's what communion looks like. Um, and if you were gonna look at the idea of the Manitou incline, who do you think I was in communion with on that hike? It's my daughter, right? Because if I didn't make it up that mountain, she wasn't making it up that mountain. And if she didn't make it up that mountain, I wasn't making it up that mountain. We were in it together in the pain and the joy and the struggle and the celebration. I, and if she, I mean, I was caring for her and she was caring for me, there was this mutual sacrificial communion happening as we made that ascent together. This level of community only happens by intentional choice. You can set up all the spaces and all the intentionality, but it's a choice that you make on the inside with someone else and with others to say, we are going to engage in this process together and take responsibility for one another and to share with one another. And it doesn't happen instantaneously. It's not a light switch that you flip on. It's a journey that you walk together of beginning to share your lives. It's about embracing differences that maybe you don't even like that person. Maybe they annoy you, but you're still, we're in this together, right? Maybe they're not alike you, uh, similar to you, but you still are gonna engage in relationship with them. And so as a a church, we we can offer space for worship, we can offer spaces for equipping classes, we can offer connect groups, and they're all really, really good, but true communion only happens when you choose to intentionally lean into this journey together stepping into one another's lives, and hearing one another's stories, and honoring one another's unique giftings, carrying one another's burdens. This is the stuff of community, and it's what we were made for. We were made for community, and we've been called to community as the people of God, and your longing to belong was placed there by God, and the church was designed to be God's beautiful answer to that. So I want to invite you to stand, and um, we're going to—worship team, you can come up. And I just want to go into a time of offering you just some space to kind of reflect on this and respond to the Lord this morning. If you have a desire for a relationship, if you feel maybe alone or isolated, um, there's nothing wrong with you. Your desire for this was placed there by God. Um, what is wrong is that we've been living isolated, lonely lives and setting up our lives in a way where we're, we're protecting ourselves and we're guarded and we haven't chosen to kind of step out and to live this way. Um, and, and this is not an indictment. I, I know that there's probably a number of people in here who have tried this thing and been totally brutalized maybe by the church or by people that you trusted, and then they just totally jacked you. And I'm sorry, I've been there, Um, but it's worth it because God created you for that need and he created you with um, the answers to that need in the people of God. It's worth doing this journey together through the pain and the sorrow and the celebration and the joys and all of that, it's worth it. And so I just want to invite you this morning just to reflect and just to consider where might you be on this journey in communion and with community. Maybe, maybe you've just kind of done the contact thing. And I mean, that's a good step. Uh, but maybe you're like, man, this feels kind of empty. Like, is this all there is? And I would say, no, <laughs> it's not all there is. Um, but maybe that's the only step you've taken so far. Maybe you've stepped into like the connection piece, but you've still, you're still guarded, you're there, but you haven't really opened your life up to people. Um, I don't know where you're at today. We're all in different places, but we all, I would say, are called to go deeper into this journey of, of living out what it looks like to be the community of God. And so I wanna pray with you today, and I just wanna invite you to reflect and let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart today what he needs to speak, okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, the incredible joy and privilege it is to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your call to come and follow. Your call to come onto this grand adventure of being formed and shaped into your image. And being um, a people who who share your light and your truth with the world around us, God, thank you for this privilege, Lord. And our heart and desire is we want to live this out to the full capacity of who you've created us to be, Lord. I pray for those in this place who maybe have been wounded by trying this before. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and be their comforter in this moment places of brokenness and wounding, that you would come and heal, Lord God. Come and restore those places that are broken. For those who are maybe struggling with the courage to step out and share their lives, I pray that you would um, be their courage today, their encourager. Lord, and I pray that in this moment you would expand our imagination for what life could look like following you, that it's not just following you, but it's following you together as the people of God. Lord, expand our imagination for what it could look like to have our own longing fulfilled, but not only that, to be a people that help to fulfill the longing of the world out there that so desperately need hope and fulfillment and life that comes through you and comes through the people of God. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in us and through us today for your kingdom and for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. There's just a couple of action steps I want to offer you today Um, for this week. I would love for you to consider what level have you been engaging in community, whether it's contact, connection, some level of communion. Number two, what is one step that you could take to further lean into community in the season ahead? And three, I would encourage you to write it down. Write down that one step. And then ask God for courage courage to step into it this week and in the months ahead. Amen.